Turn to Psalms uh, 40 in your scriptures, if you would. And also, I'm going to jump over to Isaiah 6, so you might want to uh, grab hold of that as well. You got one of these little doohickeys in your Bible. You know, you can kind of put it over there. But Psalms 40. So how to start, you know, how to start. It's a good word, amazing, amazing, you know, when we think about God and who he is in our life. Um, he's an amazing, beautiful God that's beyond our wildest understanding or imagination, and that God has chosen us and invited us into life with him through his gospel, through what he's done on Calvary. And he has chosen us, as crazy as it might seem, to join him in a mission, to join him in his mission here. And we are under a mandate, really, of grace, the grace of God, the grace that found us, the grace that restored us, the grace that breathed life into us as individuals and gave us purpose for everything in life, that foundation, that foundation. And we become, because of that, amplifiers of the beauty of God, the beauty of Jesus among all people. And we share that. The psalmist says it like this in Isaiah 40. You want to stand together for the reading of God's word. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. You may be seated. So there it is, our Father, in your word, there's the gospel. You picked us up, you rescued us, took us out of the horrible, miry clay, put a new song in our hearts so that other people might see and fear and know God. So we pray, Father, as we uh, share on this this morning that this would be that which is, resonates within our, our lives. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. He heard my cry, he says. He heard my cry. And what did he do? He acted. God heard the cry, and he acted. And I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, my goodness, this is my story. This is my story. Maybe it's your story. It should be. This is my story. He came down into my life, in the pit that I was in. He reached down and he lifted me up and he set my feet on a rock. Is that your story? Is that your story? Far too many Christians put a period right there and they say, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? 
Jesus reached down and he saved me. He put my feet on a rock. That's an awesome thing that he's done for me. But there's more. The gospel in Psalms 40 is a full gospel. He goes on. And this gospel produces proclaimers. Psalms 40 and verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to God, which we've been singing this morning. Many will see, many will fear, many will put their trust in the Lord. A new song. So if you're not singing, something's wrong. Something's wrong. A new song. Why? So that many. Not merely one person in the course of my life, but many would hear, many would believe. It doesn't lead us to sit and contemplate what he's done for us in my lifetime. It leads us to proclaim. It leads us to proclaim what has happened to us in this life. So listen, God is bigger than you think. No matter how big you think he is, he's bigger than that. He's larger than that. We barely have an inkling as to the magnitude of who we're dealing with. I love the saying, and I don't know who said it. I could probably find out. The universe is just one of God's thoughts. The universe. Isaiah 6 has been on my heart. We're in Isaiah 6 on Wednesday night. And uh, so I've been picking up things from that and thinking about that. It's so comprehensive. When you have a vision, as Isaiah had a vision, about who God is, If you see what Isaiah saw, the gospel leads to proclamation of the gospel. We we started this as little children. This little light of mine. What? I'm going to let it shine. It's proclamation. This is who we are as a people of God. We're people who proclaim his goodness and his love. So when you get a vision of who God is, even a fleeting glimpse of the glory of God, it absolutely wrecks you in a good way. In a good way. It seems as if it all happened in in a very small window of time for Isaiah. He saw the Lord, Scripture says, high and lifted up. And it's in Isaiah 6. And he saw just the train in his temple. Just the, the, the hymn of the train, and it filled the temple. And he's looking at this vision before him, and Isaiah saw worship happening. He sees these marvelous angelic beings crying out to one another back and forth, echoing back and forth the praises of God. And in that moment, Isaiah realizes that worship was happening with him or without him. Worship didn't begin when Isaiah showed up. It was already going on. And worship doesn't begin when you and I decide to sing. When you and I decide to proclaim. Worship happens wherever God is present. Here Isaiah saw something that wrecked him to the point where he says to himself in verse 5 of Isaiah... Woe is me. Woe is me. He knew he was a sinner. He didn't need to be told. He's in the presence of God. Isaiah 6, 
Isaiah thinks, I'm a dead man, right? I'm a dead man. I'm undone. I'm finished. And when one of those flying beings comes flying from the altar toward him with a hot coal to put on his lips, but his surprise in all of this, he's transformed. His life is transformed. He hears the voice of the Lord, and it's in verse 8. Who shall I send? Who will go for us? Who would have expected that such a powerful, all-powerful, majestic God would ask a question like that? Think about it. Think about it. Who will go for us? Isaiah hears the question. He's going, what? 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 You're sending somebody? Somebody's going somewhere? (laughs) Here I am. Send me. I love the immediacy of that. Without question, without hesitation, there's no whiff of, well, let me go home and pray about it. There's a need, I'll do it. I'll do it. Let me ask three questions real quickly. Have you seen God? Have you seen God? I'm not asking if you heard about him. Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Have you been touched by that grace of God in your life? The grace of God? Did you hear him ask the question, whom shall I send? Who shall I send? This word is messed up on a, on a, on a, a, a magnitude that's staggering. People are lost. And God cares. God cares. And he's asking, who? Who will proclaim? Who will go? Who will say something about who I am? Now let's back up and think about who's asking the question. That's a good question, right? Who's asking this question? The question is being asked by a cosmic God, an almighty God who will absolutely blow your minds. A God who is being worshipped right now, right this moment, by the whole universe. Right now. And by the way, God isn't banking on our worship here this morning. He is saying, you know, I I, I hope they sing some songs. I really need some worship. I hope they, I hope... I hope they're singing. Verse 3, Isaiah 6. Seraphim are singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth, we sang it, is full of his glory. God is being worshipped right now. And the whole universe in some way, shape, or form is praising him in one way or another. And I want to help us get a grasp of that just a little bit, the staggering significance of this God who's asking the question. 
And let me point out to you a few amazing things. The discoveries that we, we, we get when we look at outer space. When we put the Hubble telescope, and if you want to Google this, you can. If you Google Hubble telescope, ultra deep field, ultra deep field. It's a photograph of 10,000 galaxies. 10,000 galaxies. Each one of those little dots that you see are galaxies. Each one the size of our Milky Way or bigger. All different sizes, all different shapes. And here's what blows my mind. Scripture says God spoke and the universe came into being. The universe came into being. In Psalms 33 and verse 6, it says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and the starry host by the breath of his mouth. He spoke and it became. In other words, God did lift a finger. God didn't lift a finger when he made the universe. He breathed the stars in a birth. Think about it. Think about it. Take our own sun. We're looking at something so intense, we don't even want to get close to it. We've got to be about 93 million miles away from it. And then we read that God just breathed out stars. It's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. So God, by the use of his voice, made a universe. And imagine uh, Hubble, again, orbiting 350 miles above our, our, our Earth. It would be like you and me looking through a straw that was like eight foot long. And we look through the straw that's eight foot long. That's how small a portion of sky that we're looking at right there. That's how small it is. We're looking at 10,000 galaxies. So who's asking the question? Who will go for me? Who's asking the question? That God. Does that blow your... That God. That God. He's the one. Who will go for us? You know? The creator. The, the galaxy-breathing God. And on another note, as I was researching and looking at all this... Uh, and I, I, I just couldn't fathom this because it took me back to Star Trek, you know, as a kid. Oxford physicists have discovered a subatomic particle that can transition between matter and antimatter. I can't even think about that. I don't even know what that means, you know. But, but let's, let's go back to I don't want to talk about that. that, that I don't even understand it. We'll go back to this, uh, the galaxy. Here's another galaxy up there. This is called the Sombrero Galaxy. This is staggering. It's so, so very, and it's not, it's not the biggest, but it's so huge. It's 29 million light years away. Process that, 29 million light years. We know what that is. We studied this in school, in science. Um, what's a light year? 186 thousand miles a second. You can go around the earth 
seven and a half times light in one second. Think about that. And this is 129 million of those light years away from us. The galaxy-breathing God is the one who invites us to come on this mission. He's inviting us to be part of his purposes. And by the way, once we, we've thought that, that light was the fastest thing, we thought it was the fastest thing, and, but now we're not so sure about that. Scientists say that's really not buttoned down. It's not firm science. So light travels at 186,000 miles a second. If you do that for a year, you've traveled 5.8 trillion miles. Trillion miles. A trillion is almost pointless for us even to talk about unless you're the government and you've got some money you want to spend. <laughs> but this, get this. If you go 29 million light years, you come to that. The sombrero galaxy. Do the math. That's 29 million times 5.8 trillion miles. The sombrero galaxy looks like a flying tortilla or, a, or whatever, you know, whatever you want to do there. It's just gigantic. There are about it's estimated 200 billion to 300 billion stars in this. So what's it doing out there? What's it doing out there? It's doing what it was made to do. It's, it's honoring God. It's glorifying God in its immensity, in its brilliance, in its glory. It's honoring God. Let's go to Psalms 148. Psalms 144, and then we'll come back to the question that we're posing. Who, who shall I send? Psalms 148 begins with some really powerful words. Three very powerful words. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here's what it says. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the highest heights. Praise him all angels. Praise him all his host. And then look down at verse 3 and 5. Praise him, sun and moon, and praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, the highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. This is the way it works with God. He first reminds us of bigger things, the bigger things, that is heaven, the heights, the angels, the heavenly hosts, the stars, and then he mentions the sun and the moon, and the stars, and he says they're all worshiping. It's not just a literary maneuver that he's talking about here. It's happening. All of these things are worshiping God. In God's universe, stars just don't shine. They sing. You know that, right? Stars sing, you know? Jesus kind of alluded to some of this when they, he was talking about those people that were worshiping on earth. He says, well, if you won't praise me, what? The rocks will. <laughs> I mean, and, he, and that's, that's not hyperbole. He meant that. They will. If you won't praise me, they will. They will. The rocks will praise me. Uh, let me mention another star called Philipposar. And it's magnificent. And there it is right there. And those things that are emitting from that are sounds. 
that are going out on all sides. And there's hundreds of these out there. Thousands, millions of them. And they're all making sound. And the primary function of the universe isn't just to house us. You know? We're so arrogant. It's to magnify the creator. It's to magnify who God is. The stars are singing to him. And I stumbled onto a beautiful cluster of stars when I was looking at this called 47 Tuck. That's an abbreviation of the longer word, which I can't pronounce. So um, you have to do that. It's, a, it's as if God shoved a, thousands of stars together like diamonds. You know, just, just shoved them all together in the sky and into a big old pile up there in the sky. It sounds like a string section in God's orchestra. There, there's, there's stars that are singing all the time. There's noise emitting. Google that when you get home. Tuck 47 and push sound and it'll let you hear them. They're singing. When you hear Vela Posar or Tuck 47 Posar, you hear Psalms 148 coming to life. The Psalms are coming to life. But he doesn't want you and me to be left out of the praise. He doesn't want us left out of this. So now he brings it to us. And he keeps bringing it down from all of this down to the sun, the moon, the stars. No, now he's bringing it to us. So we've got the heavens, we've got the hosts, we've got the stars, the sun, the moon. He turns now to the earth and he starts to name everything on earth, right? It's in verse 7. It's in verse 7. Different kinds of humanity even. Praise the Lord from the earth. See it? Your great creatures in all the deeps, fire and hell, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all the hills, fruit trees and all the cedars, beasts of all livestock, creeping things, flying birds. And then he brings it down to people, different kinds of people, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men, maidens, old men, children, let them praise the name of the Lord. Let his name alone be exalted, his majesty above earth and heaven. I love that. And I love that he starts verse 7 with the, with the whales. You know, the great sea creatures, the whales. Try for a moment. Try for a moment to think what it would be like to be God and hear all of this. The whales, the, the, the trees. We tend to assume that we're the only ones in the universe singing. Our songs are fine. But God isn't banking on that. He's surrounded by a universe. A universe. Stars singing, whales singing, birds singing, flapping their wings. We, we, we get excited when the doorbell works. You know? We light up a room in the fellowship hall, and we've been talking about it. Well, look at how light it is in here. Isn't this something? We got lighter, thanks to Steve Kaufman. You know? And what he's done. I tried to help Steve do that, by the way. I said, you want me to help you? And he just looked at me. <laughs> he said, what are you going to do? I said, well, I don't know. He says, okay. <laughs> so Steve did it all. <laughs> Steve did it all. God is surrounded by, by light. Surrounded by a universe singing to him. His praise, his glory. Imagine what it might sound like if just for a second 
you could hear what God hears. You could hear what God hears. The point is, the God who created that, the God who created all of that, the pulsars, the, 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 the stars that, that sound like stringed instruments, as God doesn't need anything else. And honestly, he doesn't need us to sing. Doesn't need the praise team, doesn't need the band, doesn't need a song. He has a whole universe singing to him. Every time a rose blooms, every time a bud pops on a tree, every time a bird flies by and sings, every ocean wave that crashes on the rocks of the shore, every snowflake that lands softly and hits the ground, lightning, the wind, the beauty of what we're looking at right now in the fall, a child laughing, a child praying, baby crying, all God's creation, all God's creation. He's big, he's amazing, he's beautiful in every way, every way. And he is the one who's asking the question. You see, that's the thing. That's the thing that I can't get over. It's an amazing thing. He didn't ask anyone to help him make the universe. He said, watch this, watch this. And then the scripture says that he fashioned man out of the dust of the ground. He breathed in him the breath of life. And a God who has never needed anybody or anything who created everything now is in the garden walking with a man and a woman. He says, well, I want to be your partner in this earth. I'm going to partner with you to be a caretaker of this thing called earth. Does that sound anyone kind of crazy? Adam could have said, who's asking? Who's asking? You want us to take care of this place? Who's asking? <laughs> I am who I am. He's asking. Does that blow your mind? I mean, when it went wrong in redemption story, uh, that had already been set in motion with a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the word continued and, and animals were slain as a token of what was to come and God's sacrifice. And even in that, God partnered with us. You say, no, 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 God, God, God accomplished our salvation by himself. Yes, Jesus. Jesus died alone and he didn't get any help from us being raised from the dead. Yet God included us. God included us in the purpose of redemption. Prophets proclaim the way. Baby Jesus needed parents. He needed a mother. Soldiers carried out the execution. Certainly Jesus was sinless and the only one who could die for our sins. None of us could be a part of that. But in his resurrection, he said, partnership is still alive. Partnership is still alive. It's very much alive. And we are to be those proclaiming lives. To proclaim who he is. The possibility of grace. The possibility of having peace with God to all people. To all people. I'm choosing you, he says. To help finish the job in my strength. 
my church, my people, my people. And I love the way Paul writes about this in Romans 1. He talks about his own calling, God, in verses 1 through 4. I'll put it on the screen. He says, he unfolds the beauty of this partnership. Here it says, says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. Called by who? That same guy. <laughs> yeah. Set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through the prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and who was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Christ came for us. Grace came for us. And with grace, there was this calling of apostleship on Paul's life, set aside for the gospel of God. So there's no separation. Listen to me. There's no separation between mission and redemption. There's no separation in that at all. Inherent in our being redeemed to be the church of God, called of God, saved by God, being redeemed is that we are now a part of God's redemptive plan. And it's clear what we Christians are to be about on this planet. There's no gray area. We don't need to debate about it. We don't need to think about it or pray or fast. God's made this very clear. Very clear. It's crystal clear what the church is to be about. And there has never been a greater need for the gospel than today. Our world is a mess. It's a mess. Our task is to shine. We're supposed to shine. Take the gospel of Jesus to people on planet Earth at all costs for the sake of his name. But it's not as if God is throwing a manual at us and saying, okay, look at it. Go, go do it. Go do it. No, 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 no. God's, God's on the move. God's on the move. What does he promise? If you go over to Psalms 46, Matthew, then in Matthew 24, you remember, and we like to quote this, be still and know that I am God. Yeah, that's the scripture. Be still and know that I am God. We like that. We like to calm our hearts and whatnot. But what's the next, next, next phrase? He makes a promise here. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the nations. Jesus promises the same thing in Matthew 24. He says, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. It will be. You and I can bail. But God says, I don't know what you're doing, but this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. And you're invited to be a part of what I'm doing. 
He's not pushing us out the door and saying, go do that. He's saying, this is what I'm doing. This is what's on my heart. Join me. Join me. If you want to be close to Jesus, and we do, don't we? Want to be close when maybe you've, you haven't felt very close to the Lord lately? If you want to dwell immediately with the Son of God and feel the breath of heaven in your life and on your life, you need to be where Jesus is. You just need to be where Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. Perhaps you've spent uh, too long trying to get Jesus where you are. It's all about my life. All about my life. All my struggles. All my hurts. What you need is to get where he is. And he said, I came to seek and to save the lost. That's where he is. That's where he is. And if you haven't felt intimacy with Christ and a closeness with the Holy Spirit in your life, it may be because you're off doing your thing. Your thing. And God is elsewhere doing his thing. Maybe it's time for you to respond to this invitation and join up. Join up with God. Friday night, we had a small group. If you're not in a small group, you should be. Um, they, they just refresh me so. And we were finishing a book by Watchman Nee entitled The Normal Christian Life. Normal Christian Life. Last chapter of this book was the goal of the gospel. Good, good, good last chapter. The goal of the gospel. And uh, he, he wrote this. This is a gentleman who was in prison most of his life. He says, this matter of our impact upon others turns on one thing, and that is the working of the cross in us in regards to the pleasure of the heart of God. It demands that I seek his pleasure it demands that I seek his pleasure, that I seek to satisfy him only, and I do not mind how much it costs me to do so. God dares to partner with us. Who's asking the question? Who's asking the question? Who shall I send? Who will go? And God is standing before us this morning you're standing in front of a galaxy-breathing God. Literally. And he's asking a question. Who will help? Who will go? Who will proclaim? Who will proclaim? What do you say? If you were standing before God, what would you say? What would you say? And you are standing before God. You are. People, knowingly or not, in this world, are waiting to be released from the emptiness of their lives, from the deadness of their lives by the grace of God. Doesn't the chaos that we're seeing around us in this world daily break your heart? Back to Psalms 40, where we started. 
We're going to end. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me to hear my cry. He also brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock. He established my steps, and he put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and trust in the Lord. On Friday night, before I went to life group, uh, we had had a, a, a difficult day. A difficult day. And uh, I was irritable. Life gets hard. I was irritable. And uh, my wife, Mary, laying on the couch. She gets up, comes, stands in front of me. And she says, you can't believe how much I love you. God in Christ, God in Christ stands before this world You can't believe how much I love you. I've sent my son, my Holy Spirit, my Holy Spirit. We become an amplifier of the love and the beauty of Jesus Christ in our lives. And my thoughts in that moment where she's standing there were, you can't believe how much I love you. And that's what God wants to hear. Who's asking the question? Who's at, who, who will go? Who will? Is it too much to ask? What's, what's too much to ask? of a God like this. Is there anything too much to ask? There are people waiting to hear about Christ. Well, we're shriveling up with our nothingness, the trivialities of our lives that we get involved with because we've chosen to do our own thing. And God says, well, I'm committed over here to my things. <laughs> and I'm over here with all my nothingness. Who's asking? Who's asking? The one asking is a God who doesn't need us, who's inviting us into this journey out of kindness, out of generosity, out of love, to get on board with the thing that he's doing in the world right now. 
and he's going to do it till the end of time. And he's inviting you and I to walk with him. God, God, think about it, God. To share in this glorious plan of redemption. And he's asking us to stand in front of the peoples of the world. Our neighbors, our friends. And represent him. I can't believe how much God loves us. And as I get older, day after day, I'm reminded of it again and again and again and again. In little things, in family things, in church things, in the scriptures, the love of God. He's asking the question, and he wants you to become involved. COVID's done. Time to get back to work. Do some of the things that God's calling us to do. Don't use it as an excuse, people. There's a world out there that needs to hear. Let's pray together. Father God, when I look at this scripture, what we've talked about this morning, this, 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 <laughs> this star-breathing deity. And I see Jesus on his knees washing the disciples' feet. Walking on that night across the Kidron Valley to Calvary and dying on the cross and saying, Father, forgive them. And know that every drop of blood was for me. And by the grace of God, you picked me up out of the pit. You placed a new song in my heart and in my life. And Father, I just pray that my response to you, that our response to you as a people of God, when asked, who will go? Who will represent me? Who will amplify to the people around them that I am the Christ? That our response will be quick and strong. Say, here am I. Here am I. This is our heart, Father. We're thankful this morning for who you are. We pray that you speak into each heart and each life this morning, your goodness, your grace, your love, and recognize that that, that was costly. That was costly. Speak to hearts and minds. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.